This is a partnership with uh, WCC Radio and the Star Tribune editorial board. It's been uh, part of this station, a part of the uh, Star Tribune for a number of years. Uh, John and Denise are here today. Let's uh, let's talk Afghanistan uh, pretty much throughout this entire conversation because it bears it. John, I'm going to start with you. When you look at the president's decision yesterday, and he gave himself a little bit of wiggle room, but it didn't seem like much, where he is saying August for August 31st is our deadline. That's when we're leaving. And when you know you have allies who are pushing back against that, you know you have Democrats and Republicans pushing back on that, and that the perception is that the Taliban is dictating this, and also now with more reporting about the concerns of ISIS and attacks around the airport, if the United States should stay past the August 31st deadline, what are your thoughts on that part of the story? And if we can get out all the Americans and all of our allies in the next six days? Well, I think that President Biden is wrong in holding to the deadline, just as I believe that he has been wrong about nearly every aspect of this withdrawal. Now, what he may not be wrong about relative to how the American public, and including many in the Pentagon, think is that it's time to wind up the war. And he keeps focusing on that in his public pronouncements. But what the issue is, is the way in which he's winding up the war, the method which seems like madness of the withdrawal. And we only had 2,500 troops there. And if he was able to so quickly send 6,000 over there for withdrawal purposes, more could have been sent to keep Bagram Air Force Base, which would greatly have aided in the withdrawal of Americans and Afghan allies, and to be able to create an environment where Kabul didn't fall as fast as it did. Now, as you mentioned, the Taliban are dictating the terms and are reportedly keeping every Afghan who many of them, thousands of them who helped the U.S. and NATO war effort over a generation in Kabul to a really uncertain and probably very unhappy fate. And we may not even be able to get all of the Americans who are still there and need to get out as well. And don't forget, please, that you need to spend some of this time to begin to withdraw the troops themselves already. Part of it. Despite the fact that congressional um, Republicans and Democrats, as well as, as well as allied nations, have pushed him to move the, this deadline, he has refused, and I think he's wrong to do so. Denise, I want to the same thing with you. I agree 100% with uh, many of the points that John just made, including at the end. I think the president is making an enormous mistake in agreeing to this arbitrary deadline. Uh, you have some reporting now from CNN suggesting that you might have 4,100 Americans still in the country. We have tens of thousands of Afghanis who have helped us. There is no chance— all of those folks will be removed from this country. I don't see how how Joe Biden can defend this position. Well, I agree with that. I don't think there is any way to to uh, defend it. The the latest um, uh, figures are that there are eighty eight thousand 
uh, have been evacuated up to this point since I think about the middle of uh, August, and about mm-hmm. 19,000 of those in the past day. And that won't get us at this rate going to August 31st. It won't get to the 4,100 people, Americans you mentioned, nor to the, the tens of thousands of, of Afghans. That um, uh, deadline has to be extended. It should be. Will it be? Denise, do you think it will be? Well, the president has said no, but I I think that he should change that. John, I don't think he's going to have a choice. I really don't. I I think if we have reporting on the ground from the few reporters who are left and are continuing to show – a situation which outside the airport continues to be chaotic at times. But Denise's point is right. 19,000 people removed in 24 hours is a significant amount. But if you're showing chaos and it's clear that Americans are still there, let alone an enormous amount of allies who have risked their lives for our country for 10 years, for 15 years, for 20 years, there's no way a president can okay that decision. Particularly if there are Americans still on the ground, he's going to have to extend that deadline. And it does create security risks, particularly if the ISIS affiliate, which is not only, of course, counter to U.S. interests, but even Taliban interests, because the ISIS group is generally Sunni and the Taliban generally Shia. And they may take this as an opportunity to attack, which is why they shouldn't be sending troops home in anticipation of an August 31st drawdown but to keep them there and maybe even send more, not to restart the war, not to relitigate the last 20 years, which any observer now must look at as a really poorly handled uh, conflict across administrations, Republican and Democratic, but to be able to get Americans out, get Afghan allies out, and keep the uh, other forces who are doing that, as well as diplomatic personnel, safe at this point. It is hard to imagine that he won't have to push this deadline, but he has said very firmly that he's he's going to hold to it at this point. And as you mentioned, he left a slight um, you know t- possibility that he would extend it, asking the Pentagon and State Department to create a plan in case of a contingency it was needed. The contingency is now. This is not complete, and they really should push to get every single person they can out of there. Playing politics with the uh, Star Tribune editorial board, Denise Johnson and John Rasher here. Denise, you first, and then John, you jump on in this one. Denise, what's your uh, what is your uh, feeling and reaction to the decision by two representatives on their own? Peter Meyer, a Republican from Michigan, and Seth Moulton, a Democrat from Massachusetts, who traveled to Afghanistan on their own to see what was taking place, as opposed to just relying on the intelligence briefings and reporting clearly of uh, some have been highly critical including the speaker of the house what is your view on the decision they made to just go on their own um i don't know if that's the the right decision um at, at this point for them to just you know to kind of take it upon themselves um i think it should be something that's done uh more in, in keeping with, with, with previous trips to hot spots and war zones like that, that those are ought to be more organized um, trips on the part of, of U.S. lawmakers. John, the question I have, because it does seem dangerous, and some of the criticism has been 
did this take away from the efforts of getting more Americans in there? The the two congressmen have pushed back and said they were on a plane by themselves coming back. The question is, if they don't go by themselves, is there any belief at all there would have been anything organized for other members of Congress to see this, to, to, for another enormous branch of government to see firsthand what is taking place as opposed to relying on what the administration is reporting at this point? Well, you're quite right. The Defense Department, among others, have pushed back and said that there was an opportunity cost in terms of then having to have personnel make sure that the lawmakers were safe. And that's understandable that that would be a concern for the troops on the ground, for the Defense Department, and for the administration. That being said, it does underscore how concerned Congress is on a bipartisan basis. This is a Republican and a Democrat, both veterans, and them wanting to see just how chaotic Kabul is at this point and in a report that they probably will have that probably won't square with the way that the administration has been describing it with them focusing on, again, the issue of we need to withdraw from Afghanistan and the impressive numbers. And I think credit should go to just the heroism on the ground of the forces and the envoys and the diplomats who are getting these people onto planes, certainly in significant numbers. But again, and the broader issue, you know, if these two representatives come back and, and really describe what's happening and what needs to be done, there will be some value to it. But this is something that appropriately should be discouraged because it, it can create security risks. John and Denise are with us from the Star Tribune. John, you first on this one, and I will repeat, I have been highly critical of President Biden. I don't understand the justification saying, well, we inherited this from President Trump. Clearly, the president, previous president, made some plans. Joe Biden has changed Donald Trump's plans mm -hmm. constantly. Donald Trump changed Barack Obama's plans constantly. This is perpetual in the cycle of presidents. And, and if a decision was made that we should finally get out, it was a defendable position. Others can disagree. But what you do is you leave the military there until the Americans and our allies get out. And that did not happen. Because of that, John, Joe Biden's numbers, his polling numbers have plummeted. And we still don't know what might happen the next couple of weeks. We're early in his presidency. But when you have an event of this significance and this consequence, how does he try to overcome this and bring back his argument of competency and respect the way this has played out so far? Well, clearly and cynically, it appears that the administration is trying to get this done, to rip the Band-Aid off, to realize it's chaotic, but hope that Americans will look back at this as just one aspect of what they consider the mess in Afghanistan and confirm their decision on why they think that the U.S. should have withdrawn its troops. But I think that one of the clear calling cards of former senator, former vice president, someone who had been in Washington nearly 50 years, was this idea of competence. It's very, very difficult to build that back up with the American public and equally and as profoundly with allies and adversaries in terms of being able to handle international crisis. And clearly our adversaries in Moscow and Beijing and Pyongyang and other parts of the world are relishing in this and perhaps wondering how they can test the Biden administration, particularly at a time 
when it's down and the desire to commit troops anywhere will be greatly reduced. Many observers are quite concerned about this regarding China and Taiwan as just one example. So, and you're quite right that presidents change precedents of their predecessors. And we saw that with President Trump and the JCPOA, the Iran nuclear deal. And of course, President Biden is trying to get back into that. That'll be even more difficult considering that some of the American public and certainly many lawmakers will look at him in a, in a really compromised position, in a weaker position, and to get support for that. So I think that that's going to be an even tougher hill to climb for the administration. So the American public notice all of this. It certainly hurts the president with his poll numbers, and it may hurt the Democrats next November. Denise, same question to you. Well, it certainly uh, hurts him, but there are other things that are kind of on the the horizon here, which which may impact his um, uh, image with the with the American people. The, certainly, the infrastructure uh, bill and what kinds of things that will ha- will happen as a result of that, whether it's the House version or the the Senate version that goes through. We just had a, a, a transit a person from Washington here recently that talked about the the amount that Minnesota would receive under one of those. So for for Minnesota and other states, people may be willing to um, focus on that, um, on some of the the help that has come as regarding the um, uh, virus and vaccines and so forth. All of those things will also contribute ultimately to how the the president is is viewed, I think. Um, I don't think the American people will take justice. This is a big one. I I don't want to... Minimize that, but I, I think that there will be other things that will come into play when people are deciding what they think about the job or the competency of this president. Thanks to both of you. Appreciate it. We'll look forward to talking next week. Thanks again. Okay, thank you, Denise Johnson and John Rash from the Star Tribune. We'll wrap up this hour with a good reminder on excellent topics coming up uh, next hour, including a very important guest, and also remind you. Give us a follow on Twitter, at Chad Hartman Show, at Dan Cook WCCO, and at AC830.